So I might start with our Bible readings. Um, perhaps I'll read it because it's got a few strange names in it and I don't want anyone to have to try and struggle through them. <laughs> and welcome, I think Wendy has joined online. Hi Wendy and Matthew. Alright, so today we're looking at Philippians 2. Uh, 4, sorry, 2-9. to nine. Now, I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are gentle in all you do. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So we're coming to our final sermon in the series today on emotions. So it's, a, it's fitting for a number of reasons that today's sermon is on the topic of joy. So far we've looked at what the Bible has to say about sadness, fear and anxiety, anger, surprise and disgust. And I've actually learnt quite a lot about these emotions as we've looked at them through the lens of the Bible. And as I thought about them this week, I realised something about all of these emotions here. All of them happen easily. What I mean when I say this is, as far as I can tell, almost everyone has no trouble in letting these emotions take hold. We get sad for no reason. We feel scared or anxious without even trying. We can explode in anger really easily. At least in my own life, all of these emotions happen all the time, very easily, without me even trying to feel them. I think of my Uncle John, who died a couple of years ago, and I get an immediate feeling of sadness, that I can't chat to him or watch a movie with him. Or what about when a colleague walks past me and doesn't say hi? Probably because he didn't see me, but I still feel sad anyway. What if he doesn't like me? <laughs> And I think of um, the times I've done some pretty awful things, like the times I've really yelled at my kids, and I, I do sometimes, and go right overboard with the telling off. I think back to those times and I feel pretty disgusted at myself for getting so angry. That's an example of how I can have both disgust and anger. Anger first, followed by the disgust afterwards at my anger. These are both emotions that I feel very easily without trying. They happen so easily. I also get disgusted at ridiculous things. Like someone having a bit of food stuck between his teeth. What's the big deal about that? What does it matter? Why on earth should I find that disgusting? But sometimes I do. Or perhaps I'll get anxious and worry that I've got something stuck between my teeth. What a ridiculous thing to get anxious about. And yet I can get anxious about this without even trying. Anxiety is actually probably the emotion that I struggle with the most. I find anxiety builds up very easily in me, doesn't it, Nicole? 
Sometimes my worry, though, is important. It is about important things. It's not just about trivial things like food between the teeth. Sometimes it's important things like about my kid's safety. But the point is, it happens to me without me even trying. I can feel anxious so easily. And I reckon this is probably common to all humans. We all have that universal experience when it comes to these particular emotions of sadness, disgust, fear, anger and surprise. I reckon we all experience these emotions very, very easily. We don't usually have to work very hard to get these emotions in us. But not joy. Joy is different. Joy is an emotion that isn't easy to experience. And that's because the other emotions can actually override our joy. They don't always override our joy, but they usually do. They can zap joy away. Take grief, for example. In the face of loss, how can a person remain joyful? Or anxiety. When overcome by it, how can someone rejoice? And in the heat of anger, how can happiness and contentment be experienced? Let me give you a trivial example. When I'm going on holiday, that's the perfect time I should be finding enjoyment in life. And yet, I worry. I worry. Things that make me worry, like, will I get to the airport gate in time? I might miss my flame of light. And this anxiety takes away my joy. No matter how hard I try, when I'm anxious and worrying, I can't relax and find joy. And I'm sure others of you have similar experiences. Not necessarily about airport gates and getting to the plane on time. But you get the idea. When adrenaline's rushing, when there's anxiety and fear and the mind's going around in circles and worry, it's almost impossible to stop that cycle and find joy. Or when anger's in your heart. When you're frustrated with another person. It's almost impossible to dissipate that anger and replace it with joy. It's the same with the other emotions too. The other emotions which come so easily to us push away our joy. And unlike these other emotions which are so easy to experience, joy is hard to feel. And God knows this about joy. He knows we struggle with our emotions and we let other emotions cloud our joy. Think about how many times in the Bible we hear warnings about letting emotions engulf us. In John 14, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. In Matthew 6, he commanded us, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll put on. And in Ephesians 4, Paul wrote, get rid of all bitterness, anger and rage. And the Bible doesn't talk just about suppressing these emotions or pushing them down, hiding them. It actually talks about expelling them, getting rid of these emotions. And I think the Bible contains so many references to expelling unhealthy emotions because God knows we need frequent reminders of the joy that we're missing out on. Because things aren't meant to be like this. We're not made for worry. We're not created for anger. We were formed for peace, fashioned for joy. From the beginning, the Bible shows that God's intentions for us was good. Look at Genesis 1. How many times in Genesis 1 does God look at his creation and see that it's good? Welcome, welcome. Sorry. Ah, no worries. 
So we're, we're looking at joy. It's all good. Be joyful. Never mind. All right. Um, so yeah, that's not God's intention for us to not have joy. That is his intention for us from the beginning. Because we can see that in, in early Genesis. Look at what God says about his creation and how good it is. How many times in Genesis 1 does God look at his creation and say that it's good? And of course, the culmination of creation is spoken about in Genesis 1, 27 and 31, when God created humans in his own image and he looked down on all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. He made us then to be fruitful. He made us to live in communion with him, to walk with him. That's how things are meant to be. The story of creation and the garden paints a picture of joy, of true joy. We are meant to be creatures of joy. And so this world we find ourselves in today is actually an aberration of God's intention for us. We were never meant to march in anger or be paralysed with fear or fall back in disgust or sink down in despair. According to the Bible, these emotions weren't in God's original plan. But of course, here we are with these emotions today. And they are here because of us. In a sense, they're self-inflicted. Anger, fear, disgust and despair are here because we've eaten what God forbade. We've all turned our own way, turned our backs on God. And in doing so, we've discovered that life without God is actually much worse than we ever could have imagined. And the goodness and the peace and the joy that God gives no longer override the fear and the anxiety and the anger and despair that we feel. In fact, the reverse is true. These emotions we feel overwhelm the joy that we should feel. We're broken people with broken emotions. And we live in a world that is broken. But it's not always going to be that way. When the disciples of Jesus felt at their lowest point, he comforted them and he said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. My father's house has many rooms. There are images in the Bible like this of a better future. Something better that's coming. A time, a place, a future where there's no longer this reversal of emotions. Where anxiety or anger or sadness or despair no longer overwhelm our joy. Revelation 19 speaks of that vision using the Greek word kairo, which is the verbal form of joy, to rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That's an image of heaven, of being present with Jesus in heaven. It's the place and time of joy, of rejoicing, as it says. And then, as Revelation 21 shares with us, it's a place where There'll be no more mourning or crying. There's this amazing future in the Bible. This amazing future that God's promised us. A future where there will be joy. Nothing can overcome that joy. In fact, that joy is going to overwhelm all other emotions. According to the Bible, the day is coming when God will restore our emotions to their right and proper place. 
That's the future. But the Bible actually doesn't just talk about that in the future. There is joy to be had today. And I guess we all know this to a degree already. We all have times in our lives of really great joy. I want us just to pause now and remember a time in our lives where we felt real joy. Perhaps you can chat to the person next to you and share with them a time you remember where you felt real joy. An occasion or a moment where there was deep joy in your life. So maybe if you can just share with the person next to you. All right. I hope you all had something to share at least. I figured that was probably a safe bet that you all had some joy in your life. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've, we've all experienced some joy, haven't we? And the Bible's in line with this experience as well. There's a lot of passages about present joy in the Bible. Thank you, Tim. I've been after making all the noise before. So the Bible talks a lot about present joy. In the Old Testament, joy and rejoice are mentioned about 300 times. And this is usually in the context of when Israel's enemies have been overcome and victory has been won, like in, Sam, like in Samuel 18.6. Also in the Old Testament, joy is lost when the people are exiled, when they're thrown away from their land. But joy is then found again when they're restored, when God brings them back to their land, as is seen in Isaiah 35.10. In the New Testament... Joy and rejoice are mentioned about a hundred times. And the term occurs in a way that builds on how it was used in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, joy is spoken about not just in terms of victory, but in terms of the ultimate victory of salvation, like these verses in 1 Peter and Luke. With the hope of resurrection, eternal life and heaven comes joy, according to the New Testament. Joy is spoken about in the present. It's not just in the future. It's in the now. And that's because there's a connection between faith and hope and joy. I was chatting to Neil last night about this, and he described it well. He described a model of joy, and forgive me, Neil, if I've got this wrong. Yeah, Malcolm and I were talking on last Thursday night for the sermon sort of chat, and we had a bit of chat about disgust, and then we started talking about joy. So we had an um, equilateral triangle, just a thought. Yeah, there let's we go. go. <laughs> okay, let's find out if I got this right. Well Keep going. I hope that's what you had, because this is what came to my head when you were talking. <laughs> so Neil described this model, uh, which has three points. Faith and trust in God, hope in his promise of salvation, and joy. This connection is seen in the Bible reading we, we had earlier from Philippians 4. In verse 4, Paul wrote... Always be full of joy. There's the joy. And then in verse 5 and 6, Paul reminds us, Be gentle. Remember, the Lord's near. So don't be anxious about anything, but instead present your request to God. There's the faith. Faith that God can take away our anxiety, our fear, our anger, our disgust. And then just before this, he wrote in verse 2 about his co-workers. Their names are written in the book of life. There's the hope of salvation, the hope of eternal life, knowing that we can endure sadness and grief today, 
because it's going to come to an end. This letter from Paul to the church in Philippi was written about AD 61 or 62. And he wrote this letter while he was in prison. A time he was suffering, when life was really, really hard. And he wrote it to encourage people in the church who were also suffering. And yet here he is writing about joy in the midst of suffering. In my work in palliative care, I see many people suffering. Sometimes it's their own illness that they endure. Sometimes they suffer because someone they love is sick. Oftentimes, their suffering takes away their joy. But every now and then I meet someone who's joyful despite suffering. Someone who finds contentment and peace in their time of trial. Where anxiety about the unknown or anger about the loss doesn't rule their heart. And I wonder, if I was suffering like that person, would I be able to find peace and joy? Of course, I I don't know how my heart would respond in that situation. But I do know in my mind that trusting God is a key ingredient to peace and joy. When I trust God, I don't need to be afraid of the future or to be angry in the present. He's the creator of the universe with complete power. He's got a plan and he loves me. If I trust him, then I've got no reason to worry because he's going to carry me through whatever comes my way. There's no need to be angry because he's in charge and he will set things right. And if I trust in God's mercy and his promise of forgiveness through the death of Jesus and the resurrection and eternal life, then I don't need to be disgusted in the brokenness of the world. I don't need to feel despair in the face of disability or death because I've got a hope in a better future where everything good's going to be restored. And so these emotions of fear, anger, disgust and even sadness can melt away. They don't need to overwhelm joy in the present. And in truth, they shouldn't overwhelm joy in the present. And in fact, we can't let them overwhelm our joy in the present. Because there's a human responsibility to joy. Although joy isn't something that comes easily to us, God actually commands us to be joyful. He gives us this command for our own benefit. Because we need a reminder that we have to work at joy. Take again a look at verse 4. There it is twice. Always be full of joy. Rejoice. You may not think of that as a command, but that's what it is. When we read that verse, it's easy to miss it, but that's actually an order. We're getting an order to be full of joy and to rejoice. Even when times are hard, we're called and commanded to rejoice. If it isn't coming naturally to me, then I need to stop. I need to make sure I rejoice anyway. We need to remember that our names are written in the book of life. So we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be angry. We don't need to despair. We can rejoice and we must rejoice. This is such an important command that Paul wrote it twice. I can't think of any other command that are repeated twice in the Bible. In the Ten Commandments, we're not commanded to not murder. I'll say it again, don't murder. (laughs) Once was enough. And yet we're told this twice in a row. Be joyful always, and I'll say it again and continue saying it, rejoice. It's clearly a very important command. 
Do you think of joy as something that you always should have? And do you think about rejoicing as a command that you need to obey? If we trust and obey God and we work at being joyful, life is going to be different. Next time I find myself building up in anger, if I remind myself that God commands me to be joyful, then my anger is not going to be able to last. Next time you find yourself worrying about something, if you remind yourself God loves you and he'll be with you no matter what, and he wants you to rejoice, then your anxiety will be overcome. Next time we find ourselves faced with loss, if we remember the promise that our names are written in the book of life, and God wants us to find joy in this, then our grief will be overcome by our joy. Joy doesn't need to depend on circumstances, which is different than the way Inside Out presented it. In fact, joy should never depend on our circumstances, which is why Paul could write about joy from a prison cell. Joy is connected with our trust in God, his love for us and his forgiveness through the cross. It's about the peace we find in him, the satisfaction, the contentment found in the shadow of his wings. And when other people see that contentment in God, that peace and joy in our lives, especially when we're suffering, it's then that they'll be drawn towards God. Because it's a beautiful thing to live a life of joy even when times are dark. People see that beauty and they want to be part of it. They want it in their own lives. Being joyful is probably the greatest way we can be a witness to others around us about Jesus. I wish it was easy to be joyful, but it's not. And we've got to work at joy. That's our challenge in life. So this week, I end the sermon with a reminder of a command and a challenge. God commands us to rejoice always. This is our challenge in life. This week, make it your focus in the week. Rejoice this week as you go out in the knowledge that God has written your name in the book of life. And watch as your joy grows and spreads.